Over the next month, members of fellowship will have the opportunity to nominate new elders to our elder board. In our church governance structure, the elder board is made up of godly men who make critical and significant decisions on behalf of our church body. We are not a church with elders. We are a church led by elders. The nomination and recognition process are very important to the health of our church family. And we ask that you enter into this season prayerfully. Here is what we are asking members of fellowship to do. First, please pray for the elder nomination process and discern whether you should nominate someone to the office of elder. Second, if you do have a nomination, please visit fellowshipnwa.org forward slash elder nomination and complete the online form. Read the accompanying document entitled Qualifications of an Elder before making your nomination. Or if you prefer a paper nomination form, you may pick one up at the information desk located in the worship center foyer at each campus. The nomination form will be attached to the qualification of an elder document. Please mail paper nominations to the church office on the Rogers campus to the attention of the elders. The deadline for making a nomination is December 22nd. Please pray for your elders as we initiate the recognition of new elders. Finally, we would like to thank John Dyer and Doug Walker for their many years of faithful service as elders. They have done a phenomenal job of representing you and the Lord well during their tenure. When you see them, thank them for their service and thank you for your participation and help. Morning Fellowship, thank you for braving the snow for those of y'all who are here and for those of y'all who are watching online. We are so glad that you have joined us. We come here to worship and to adore our Savior Jesus. So would you stand with us this morning? Let this be our call to worship, this familiar chorus. Let's sing this to the Lord our God. We sing. Oh, come let us This morning we are here to rejoice. This morning we focus on the Advent theme of joy, that the coming of Christ our Savior brings us joy. In the last few weeks we've seen that he brings us hope and he brings us peace. So this morning before us is the question, how do we rejoice in this season of life? Well, Paul tells us 
in Philippians 4. So let this be our call to worship this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And hear this, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will God your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Hear this. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul says that he has learned the secret of what it means to be content. And I believe that that secret, because going back to the beginning of that passage, that the Lord is near. The Lord is the one who gives us that peace, the one who gives us that joy. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So let's remind ourselves of who Christ is, what he has done for us as we reflect on his first coming and his perfect life and his sacrifice and his resurrection. And we believe that he is coming again. We sing this together. We are here to worship him. And here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to sing it together. And here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to
give you all the glory this morning, Christ Jesus. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are here for you. May you be glorified. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The gift has become an opportunity for us to give back to God during the season of Advent and Christmas. Our fellowship family has developed a culture of generosity, believing that through the leadership of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to God, our resources can be used to make a difference locally, regionally, and globally. Last year, the people of fellowship gave over $600,000 to the gift which was prayerfully dispersed by the elders to many worthy ministry causes. Throughout the month of December, you will once again have the opportunity to express generosity and gratitude through the gift. Your participation allows our elders to invest strategically in ministries all over the world, potentially including Fellowship Bentonville. You can make your donation online or through special gift envelopes available as you exit our worship centers. Thank you for your continued generosity and the difference you are making in the lives of so many. For your generosity to the gift through all the years, we have so many requests already from uh, groups both home and abroad who are seeking help. And we have been able to make a difference for them for so long. So thank you for participating in the gift. There are gift envelopes at the doors, or it's very easy for you to participate by going online to the giving page and making your gift there. Well, welcome to all of you who are in the room with us this morning. You're the brave ones. You got out there and uh, made it through this snow. And uh, for those of you at home, it's great to have you Joining us with us, at, uh, joining with us as well. You've got your cup of hot chocolate there, and you're watching the snowfall. For those of you in the room, if you look out the window over here, you see it's still falling. I made you look, didn't I? There is no window over there, but uh, I got you. I got you. Well, it's great to have you with us this morning, and welcome to fellowship. Of course, you can get all the fellowship news by uh, holding your phone up to that QR code there, and. Uh, you can get everything that's going on here at Fellowship, and God has been good to us indeed. As a part of the gift, I want to remind you, too, that a Fellowship Bentonville is going up. It's likely we'll use some of those funds for Fellowship Bentonville. And look at this. Isn't that something? Uh, it's coming on up. Yeah, it's really happening. And so we're excited about that, and, and uh, thank you for, t- for participating with us. Also, thank you for participating in the elder nomination process. We have one more week for you to make elder nominations, and you can do that, of course, online. Uh, and uh, thank you for praying for us during this time as our elders begin to uh, pray over those names and, and uh, try to see who God uh, wants us to have on the elder board next. And so thank you for your help in doing that. This Christmas Eve, things are going to be a little bit different for us. We are going to give you the opportunity to celebrate Christmas Eve with your family in your home. Uh, We want you to celebrate Advent together. If you've never put together an Advent wreath, you can do that or put together Advent candles, something like this. And today as you leave, we're going to have Advent candles for you at the doors. Also up at Bentonville, if you live up there, we have a, 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 a tote 
or a bin out there at the turquoise table. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about, full of candles. And so we have them for you there. But we want you to celebrate with us from your homes. Our elders just didn't feel like that we could gather with all the thousands of people that we have come to our Christmas Eve services. We couldn't gather safely in this place. And so we're going to do it by video. And we'll have those available for you in a family service and also a traditional service. And so it'll be a little bit different this year, but uh, God willing, next year we'll all be back here together. But this is going to be special and different this year, and I encourage you to take advantage of that. At the end of this service, we're going to observe communion. For those of you at home, you'll want to go ahead and get some of your communion, uh, communion elements together. And for those of you who came in this morning, if you didn't get your elements as you walked in, you'll want to make sure you go to the back and get those. But that will be a special time for us. Right now, to lead us in the lighting of the Bethlehem Candle of Joy, Sam Hannon, come on up here and light it for us. Sam, who's your favorite reindeer? Comet. Comet. No doubt. You changed no it from doubt. the last service. That's man. right, buddy. <laughs> I started to trip you up, but please join us. Well, today we come to light the Bethlehem candle of joy. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are struggling to find joy amidst their circumstances, and many who haven't been able to join us in service, or we haven't seen them since March. And so today, as we come and light the candle, I want you to think of someone that you miss seeing here that's a part of the church body. And as we light the candle today, we're remembering uh, families like Irisima Ritter and Bruce. And we're remembering Mike Mulvaney and Becca, Tony Royko and Anita. Uh, we're remembering David Jacquez and Connie and remembering Jim and Susan Von Grimp. In fact, Jim has been down in Houston at MD Anderson for four months doing chemo and having a surgery. And we've actually asked them to join us from Houston to light the candles. So here's Jim and Susan Von Grimp. Good morning, Fellowship. This is Jim and Susan Von Grimp. We've been members of Fellowship for over 31 years. Today, though, we're coming from to you from Houston, Texas, where we've been for the last four months while Jim has undergone treatment at MD Anderson for a rare form of cancer and is hopefully recovering from the removal of that tumor. Like you, we've missed being together in person to worship at Fellowship, but have enjoyed the blessings of worshiping online. Today, I'd like to leave a word with you. Turn your worry into worship and watch God turn your battles into blessings. Today we're lighting the Bethlehem candle of joy. For us, much joy comes from the Fellowship Card Ministry, who have sent many encouraging words and prayers, plus the text, emails, calls, and cards from our community group, from other Fellowship members, from our friends and family. They have sustained us and brought us great joy each day. Our scripture for today is Luke 2, 9-11, and it reads, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. We light the Bethlehem candle of joy. We love you, fellowship, and we can't wait to see you upon our return. Bye.
Our joy is not dependent on our circumstances. I think it's something we've all learned over the last few months. By the way, Jim had his surgery on Thursday and the whole tumor was removed cleanly. And so we praise the Lord for good news. Hey, would you pray with me? Yeah, that's worthy of celebrating. Let's celebrate that. Let's pray. Well, Lord, as we celebrate Advent, as we celebrate your coming, Lord, we are reminded today that joy um, supersedes any struggle, any fear, any circumstance that we face. And so, Lord, we choose joy today. And Lord, as we remember those we've lost, as we remember those that we miss, Lord, we know that our joy, our hope, our peace is found in knowing that we will all be gathered around your throne, worshiping together for all eternity. So we celebrate Jesus and the hope he gives us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let her receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and Savior
to celebrate that joy. that together this morning. You may be seated. Let's join with the angels and sing Gloria and Excelsis Deo. And angels we 
together and sing to the King of Kings.
Just listen to the old, old story. Listen to it like you're hearing it for the first time. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. 
She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. O God and Father, add your blessings to this beautiful word, to this beautiful story that we know so well. O Father, make it new and fresh in our hearts and minds today. Thank you for the joy that we have in Christ. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. I choose joy. As a believer in Christ, I choose joy. Say it with me. I choose joy. I have a Bible study with a group of guys, and we've been meeting since 2011, and, and we study books, or, or we study a book of the Bible, and we just finished studying the seven miracle statements and the seven I, I mean the seven miracles and the seven I am statements from the book of John. And when we finished that study, I asked them, well, what do you want to study next? And one of them, without hesitating, in the midst of all that we're going through, said joy. I want to study joy. I want to know what the Bible says about joy. And so we did. We set our sails for joy, studying in the book of Philippians. Joy, we need joy in our lives, don't we? We need to demonstrate for others what joy is all about. So you see, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Joy chases away those clouds of circumstance when they're dark and foreboding. Happiness reminds me of that puddle on the surface 
Whenever I think of a puddle, I remember that original Jurassic Park movie with that puddle, and every time the T-Rex would take a step, that puddle would shake. Happiness is a puddle on the surface. It'll dry up, but joy is like that deep subterranean river that runs and runs and never runs dry. That's what joy is. Mark reminded this of us of this last week in the book of Romans. Look at this passage. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit fills us with that joy so that so it overflows with hope into the lives of others. Whenever I'm on a flight and we're sitting on the ground, it, it may be cloudy, dark. There may even be a thunderstorm. But within minutes after taking off, you burst through those clouds and the sun is shining. You know what I'm talking about? You've been there? The sun is shining. And then you remember that that was just a, a small circumstance down on the surface that the sun is shining above. And that ought to remind us every time of what we have in Christ. He's always there. He is our source of joy. That's how it should be with us. Had the prophets, had their words not come true, then we'd have no reason for joy. Not for that deep, abiding, eternal presence. We would just live from fear to fear. But we can have joy. If we choose it, Mary demonstrated joy for us when, when the angel announced to her what, what she would endure, what she would have the blessing of in giving birth to the Christ child. What did she say? My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my salvation. She didn't have all the answers but she trusted God. She couldn't see the future, but she trusted God. That's the reason she was able to say, my soul glorifies the Lord. And so let's look back again at this beautiful story, timeless story from Luke chapter 2 and study it today and find our joy. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. We know it by heart. Caesar Augustus, he was the nephew of Julius Caesar. He was also called Octavian. He clawed his way to power by defeating Mark Antony and Cleopatra. He was a ruthless man. And considered by his people to be a god. And when it says the Roman world here, that was the only world they knew. And he declared that a census should be taken because their taxation depended on the census. Which would fund their conquering spirit. This was the first census that took place. Now this is the verse where kids get tripped up. Kids don't want to read the Christmas story out loud because of this one word, Quirinius. 
They don't know how to say that. It was a Q and a U and an I and an R and an I and an I and an N. How do I say that word? Well, we're going to learn how to say it this morning, okay? Everybody say it together. Quirinius. Say it one more time. Quirinius. So you'll never get tripped up again, kids. It's Quirinius. When Quirinius was governor of Syria, that's a little time stamp for us there. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, that's up in the northern section, and traveled all the way down to the southern section to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in line of David. Bethlehem is right there next to Jerusalem, just six miles apart, separated just just by a, a, a valley. It was approximately an 80-mile trip on a donkey. And now can you imagine traveling to Harrison or Fort Smith on a donkey? You wouldn't do that on your best day, would you? And what about when you're nine months pregnant? You know, I can, I can imagine those big stones and those donkeys walking over those things. And I can remember my wife being six or seven months pregnant and, and riding in a nice soft seat in a car. And I'd hit a bump and she'd, oh, can you imagine what that journey was like for her? Approximately 80 miles. I think they probably traveled by the Jordan River where there was water. About a 10-day journey. It was in probably the early spring from what we read here. And so it's cold in Israel in early spring. It's very much like the weather here. And it gets really cold at night. But we see God's sovereignty over history and over all of mankind because it's no accident that they were in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. Verse 5. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, the word manger is often translated as stall. So the baby would have been placed there in a stall. Uh, we don't know exactly what it was like. It could have been that it was in a, a place where adults lived upstairs or, or people lived upstairs. And then down below, there was an open place for the animals to be kept. It could have been in a cave shelter or some kind of shelter built by, by the people of that day. It could have been uh, stalls built in the circle of the rock for protection. And then the animals gathered in the courtyard. One thing we do know, it was not the embassy suites. It was a crude shelter shared with animals. The king of all the ages. A humble birth. And a humble place shared with animals. Well, then the, then the scene changes. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over flocks, over their flocks at night. Now, what were they doing out there at night? It's because if it's in the early spring, this is sort of a time stamp for us. This was the lambing season. 
It's when the lambs were born. And I want to show you a picture of a place. It's my favorite place between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And I love to look up in the sky and think of what might have happened in this very sky. Because this is a place, it's, it's where Rachel's tomb is. And it's also a place called Migdal Eder, the Tower of the Flocks. And it was in this field that the lambs were born who were being prepared for temple sacrifice. And get this, when they were born there at the Tower of the Flocks, when a little lamb was born without blemish or defect, then they would set that lamb aside and they would wrap that perfect lamb in cloths and place it in the stall. Sound familiar? It would have to the shepherds as well. It was a tough job being a shepherd. It was no nine-to-five deal. And shepherds were a tough group. They, they lived out in the fields, and so they were looked down upon. The only class of people lower than the shepherds were lepers. They couldn't testify in court. They were exempt from temple sacrifice because they were unclean or deemed unclean. Luke wants us to see what they saw. He wants us to feel what they felt. He wants, to he wants us to hear what they heard. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Okay, now picture the scene. Here they were out there in this field. It's nighttime. It's dark. Stars overhead. Sheep were all around them. Mind in their own business. And all of a sudden, the, curt, the curtain between heaven and earth is pulled back just a little bit. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. This is not something that they were expecting. That's the way it is when God shows up in, in a mighty way in our lives. This week, Susan Von Grimp, right after Jim got out of surgery, you just can't imagine what it's like to see him on that screen knowing what he was going through because his prognosis was not good. On Monday, we were praying that he would live through the surgery. That was recorded last week before the surgery. And Susan called me and she was crying and she said, it's over, it's over. It's unexpected for us when God reveals himself. And it was for them out there in the field. The glory, of the, the glory of the Lord turned night to day before their very eyes. And they were terrified. But what happens every time in Scripture when an angel shows up? They have to calm them down. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For all the people. For today in the town of David, in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Today in the town of David that Micah had prophesied hundreds of years earlier. Look at it. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you were small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one for me. One who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Ah, one who will come who is from ancient times. 
It reminds us of John 1, doesn't it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Today in the town of David, a Savior. It's important for us because it implies our need for a deliverer. God's great plan of redemption is falling into place. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, in a stall. And then something happened. The curtain between heaven and earth was pulled back even further. And I think it was probably thousands in, in the heavenly host that showed up there. Suddenly, a great company. You'll see that word suddenly or immediately a lot in Luke. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. The first thing they do is ascribe praise to God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests or peace to those with whom God is pleased. Peace to fall over us. There it was in the night sky and then the curtain was closed. The stars showed up again. The darkness came. The shepherds were probably on their knees by that point. And they're looking at one another. Did that really just happen? <laughs> did, you, did you all see what I saw? They were amazed at what they had just witnessed. But what did they do? They acted on it. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing, this word that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. There it is again with Luke. Immediately they left. And we don't know if they left someone to watch the sheep or what they did. Here's my thought. When the heavenly host showed up, I'm thinking the sheep are gone. The sheep probably didn't hang around for the show. They didn't understand that. And so I don't think there are any sheep left to take care of. I think they're scattered on the hillside. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They acted on what they'd been told. You know, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the scribes, they knew this too. In Matthew 2, 5, Herod asked them. He called together the chief priests and teachers of the law. He asked where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied. They knew. But they didn't act on it. But here are the lowly shepherds out of the field. They acted on it. They hurried to Bethlehem to find him. And when they had seen him, verse 17, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They were the first evangelists. They couldn't wait to tell everybody what had happened. It should be the same with us. That is so dear to us and our, and our joy is so great within us that it's overflowing with hope that we want to share with other people. 
And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. People believed their story, even though they were shepherds. It should remind us of our phrase around here, tell your story, share your faith. Tell others of what you believe. But what about Mary? No doubt that song she sang nine months ago came back to her. My spirit rejoices in God, my salvation. He's done great things for me. Here she was, just a teenage girl. She'd gone through so much. She was bound to be exhausted. And don't let the nativity scene that, that we have sitting on our, our, our mantles or, or whatever confuse us into thinking that this was a sanitized situation. Here we have them in a crude shelter in a difficult place. The baby's born in the cold of the night. And this young girl trying to put it all together. It says that she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What about the shepherds? Well, they went back to work. The shepherds returned. They had to go gather up some sheep. Glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. That's just the way God works. When he says something, you can believe it. Today, as we light the Bethlehem candle of joy, there are markers of joy in this story. First of all, when it was revealed to Mary that she would give birth to the Christ child, she said, my spirit rejoices in God, my salvation. The baby. Babies always seem to, seem to bring joy with them, don't they? There was that baby cradled in her arms. There was the glory of the Lord appearing. Oh, what that must have been like. There was the message of the angel. Uh, I bring you good news of great joy. There was the heavenly host that, that burst forth in praise. There were the shepherds. They hurried off to find the Messiah. And then they told everybody because they just couldn't contain their joy. And then there was Mary. Everything was confirmed for her. For many, this Christmas will be more difficult and uncertain than those of the past. But we have to lean into the story that we find here in Luke chapter 2. Lean into those words, good news, great joy, all people. Because that's what God wants for you. He wanted that so much. He made hope, peace, joy, and love possible for all of us. There's that astounding scripture in Hebrews that says this. That for the joy set before him Christ endured the cross despising its shame for the joy set before him it was a joyful thing for him to do on our behalf 
despising its shame. There was a time in the Old Testament era when the sheep died for the shepherd. But now, the shepherd would die for the sheep. And Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. That he was wounded for our transgressions. And so on this morning of joy, we want to take communion. And we want to remember all he's done for us. And so if you would, get your communion elements ready here. And for those of you at home, if you would get your communion elements ready. And we'll take them together in just a moment. Joy. 
close up to him. I've come to worship. I've come to fall down. Seek only your face. Laying down my crown. Would you stand? We've come to worship. Worship the one who has given us hope, peace, joy, and love. And today, I choose joy. Say it with me. I choose joy. Because for him, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross for us. This is his body, broken for us. Take, eat, and remember. And remember, Advent means coming. We look forward to his coming. We were told he would come, and he did. The angels declared it. And before he left, he said that he would come back. And he will. And as we light these candles, it reminds us of his soon return. When we take communion, he said, look for me. And so this morning as we choose joy and set our sails toward heaven, the ultimate joy, we look for him. Take, drink, remember. Say this with me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Say it again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Declare it again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Enjoy.